The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Five is a nice round number, isn't it? That's where we're at on the countdown. Five days of games remaining on the NBA regular season. This goofball COVID year is almost done, and hopefully that'll be the last of it. Although I honestly have no idea. Games will probably start up in October, which is apparently right around the time that uh, they're hoping to get the vaccine to children. I don't know what that changes the trajectory of things. So I, I'm I'm hoping that things are pretty damn close to normal by next year, but at least from a uh, player protocol standpoint, I really don't know. Uh, we're all in this massive rush to just put this season behind us, and I have no idea if we might be staring down the barrel of anything similar next year. But look, we have plenty of time in the offseason to worry about that as it pertains to our league settings and all that good stuff, and we'll deal with that when we approach the bridge. That's where we'll cross it. So for now... We'll just continue to break things down, see if we can hunt down some streaming options, because at this point we're basically stat hunting. And that's our goal here these last, well, let's see, today, tomorrow, and Thursday is our last three shows of the regular season. Then by Monday, we'll be pivoting into season and review stuff. I love that. I love it. I love it for a few reasons. Number one, by the way, hello, I'm Dan Vespers. This is Fantasy NBA Today. Welcome to the pod, folks. Happy Wednesday to you all. I love it. I love season and review. That's where we get to make our big changes to strategy going into the following year it's where we stay ahead of everyone else in how we break things down and what we do I mean it is really it's critical and it's the way we start the off season so very much looking forward to that that'll begin on Monday but let's take ourselves to a couple of wins before we get to there you can follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S Make sure to check out our sponsors, who I'll tell you about later in the show. And should you have a few moments, please drop a five-star review on the podcast. It would mean the world to me. Somebody out there dropped a one-star because they can't listen. They can't actually listen to detail. Unbelievable. Uh, let's go through some of the games from a very large Tuesday. I'll save my rant about folks that only hear like two words out of every seven I say for another day Denver beat Charlotte on the road 117-112 Facundo Campazzo continues to be a strong stream it was Austin Rivers and that was the question we had who was going to start they kept Aaron Gordon at power forward which meant they had to go small campazzo has been the streamer at point guard sounds by the way like Monte Morris well he played he played 10 minutes so I don't know what the the ramp-up scale is going to be for him. But the guy I was watching was Jermichael Green to see if he could squeeze himself into the starting lineup. He could not. Austin Rivers played 31 minutes again. I do not like his fantasy stat set, so I'm not venturing down that pathway. And for Campazzo, he was on his way to a terrible ballgame, but I believe hit his last three shots in a row, and that ended up being a pretty big deal for Denver and his numbers. On the Charlotte side, Devontae Graham made his return and did so in a big way. 31 points in 33 minutes. Gotta like that. P.J. Washington, big time defensive stats. Terry Rozier played 41 minutes. And then the rest of it was a little bit of a grab bag. LaMelo Ball was uh, not very good. He'll obviously be a guy you start on a night-to-night basis. But then Jalen McDaniels, who we'd kind of cast aside, he was decent. Cody Zeller played big minutes. You knew they were going to have to go big against Jokic. So that was the question of, is it going to be Zeller or is it going to be Biombo? Bismack started, but of course he's terrible. 
at basketball. Not that Zeller is all that much better, but he is, I would say, I would argue a little bit. Still, I'm not venturing down that pathway with Charlotte. And then with Denver, you've sort of closed the door there because Austin Rivers is not worth streaming. The guy that would be was Green, but he's not going to play enough minutes. At least, certainly not while Millsap and Gordon are healthy. Minnesota got another victory. They look good these days. I know they beat up on a Pistons team that's not actually trying to win basketball games, but regardless, they beat him by 19. Ricky Rubio, D'Angelo Russell, Carl Anthony Towns, and then generally Anthony Edwards, although he had a weird game where peripheral stuff was uh, lacking a tad. Otherwise, they're an easy team to handicap right now. On the Detroit side, the, uh, the veterans are probably done for the year, which means... Isaiah Stewart is all systems go. Sadiq Bey is all systems go. Killian Hayes is a go if you can ignore the turnovers. And uh, there are some missing stats for him, but I think you can probably fire him up at, depending on what your format is. There may be some spots where maybe you don't want to use him. And then the question I had was, what do we do with Saban Lee? Because Frank Jackson's turned ankle pushed Saban into a whole bunch of extra minutes, and he capitalized in a big way. Perfect 8 for 8 at the free throw line, 7 of 9 from the field. He didn't hit any three-pointers, and which honestly is sort of fine. If you need threes, that wasn't the direction you were going anyway. So keep tabs on that, because Lee is a, a decent stream if Jackson misses any additional time. Miami beat Boston 129-121. By the way, if this was a game in the middle of the season, you would go hard into the injured star theory with no Jalen Brown for a while, but it's the stretch run now. All of that stuff kind of goes out the window when motivational issues go out the window. All those things we talk about, the motivation angles, they, they matter in the dog days when teams are going at 75-80%. Teams are locked in right now. The Heat wanted this game. They were what? Two games up on the Celtics to stay out of the play-in? So this is a big one for both teams, and Boston's trending the wrong way. But we know Evan Fournier is going to be great because uh, Brown is out now for the duration. Tatum, Kemba, Marcus Smart, those guys are easy to use. And then no Robert Williams with turf toe. Tristan Thompson, generally a rebounding stream, but pretty awful at everything else. And that should hopefully keep you off of him for the most part. And uh, that's a good thing because he was bad. On the Miami side, credit where credit's due. They won this game mostly without Jimmy Butler. He exited uh, early in the third quarter with an eye injury. And the other guys picked him up. Tyler Hero had 24 and 11. He shot 59% in this ballgame, by the way. Kendrick Nunn, 18 and 7. Bam, 22, 7 and 5. Duncan Robinson had 22. Dragic, 17. The only guy who didn't get in on the fun was our buddy Trevor Ariza, who's been locked in lately. Still got his seven rebounds, still got his steal, just didn't get his shots up and hit his three-pointers. It's not enough to push me off of him. He's been too good lately. Hero has not been good lately, so I'm not venturing back to that one. Kendrick Nunn's been pretty safe, and Dun Duncan Robinson is the clear three-point streamer, so no real adjustments there. Clippers beat up on the now-tanking Toronto Raptors. It's not fair to call it that because they were trying until, like, three days ago, but they're now tanking. They've gone into a full kind of rebuild mode for the final week of the season. On the Clippers' side, it's Kawhi, it's Paul George, it's Avica Zubats. This is a blowout. So you got a little bit of extra stuff from, you know, like a Terrence Mann, who was, who was perfect. 7-7 seven seven from the field, 5-5 five five at the free throw line, but you can't trust that. Pat Beverly back into the starting lineup is going to make Reggie Jackson largely irrelevant. Rajon Rondo will probably fall into that mold as well. And so with the Clippers, you stick with the top three. 
By the way, it sounds like Zubats is going to keep his starting job even when Serge Ibaka comes back. So make of that what you will. On the Toronto side, the starting lineup gave us some indicators as Chris Boucher came back and played 37 minutes in his first game back from injury. Is that a good idea? I guess they figure, screw it, we got a whole offseason to get him healthy if he gets hurt again. Gary Trent played 31 and couldn't shoot, but he's a guy you can use. Malachi Flynn is going to play big point guard minutes. You can fire him up. Kem Birch is going to play the center minutes. You can fire him up. So that's, I guess, makes our life a little easy. you sort of got four guys you can trot out there. And then everybody else is a big fat question mark for Toronto. In this one, Freddie Gillespie soaked up most of the front court minutes and looked really good in 25 of them. 10 and 7, three blocks. But I don't know if I have the confidence to actually start him next time out when if he has a poor ball game, DeAndre Bembry could play power forward. They could go a little bit smaller. Utah Watanabe could soak up some of those minutes. Gillespie, certainly of all of those guys I just talked about, he's the one who has a path to actual fantasy value. But I don't know that the minutes are going to be consistent enough to actually get him to that point. So... Uh, I'll stick with those main four. Flynn, Birch, Boucher, and Trent. Uh, Luka Doncic got to play for Dallas. We all thought there may be a suspension coming, but it sort of didn't matter because they were not good. Uh, Dwight Powell got ejected, but that also didn't really matter because Maxi Kleba came back and it became a three-man weave at center. So that ruins the Dwight Powell stream if you were counting on that. Uh, and then they just got blown out. So beyond that, I don't think that you can pull a whole lot away from this ballgame. Really surprised, by the way, that the flagrant on Luka didn't cost him a ball game. But, you know, what? whatever. That's uh, fine, I guess. Um, this was of note because this win for the Grizzlies pulled them back into a dead heat with the Warriors at 36 and 33. And it dropped the Mavericks back uh, to a tie with the Blazers for the five seed and the Lakers behind them. So this was a, this was a pretty big deal for Dallas. On the Grizzlies' side, because it was a blowout, their minutes actually look a lot like their minutes in a normal ballgame. No JV, though. He hurt his back, and Xavier Tillman is a wonderful fill-in at center anytime Jonas Valanciunas is out. DeAnthony Melton didn't get enough minutes. Same story there. Brandon Clark didn't really get enough minutes, but he used the ones he got very effectively for once. But, again, no real valuation changes on either side in this ballgame with the exception of you know, with Kleba coming back, all that does is ruin Dwight Powell. It doesn't actually elevate Maxi to any kind of reasonable position in the fantasy world. Brooklyn beat Chicago on the front end of their back-to-back. There's a lot of who's going to actually play in the second half of this thing. Kyrie Irving uh, got hit in the face in the third quarter. I think he took an elbow from Vooch, if I remember correctly. And he left. He did not return. So he's questionable for the next ball game. KD is questionable because of rest. Blake Griffin may or may not play. I mean, he's, he's been going in back-to-backs for Brooklyn lately, but now we're on that last week of the season, so really, who the hell knows? It sounds like James Harden might make his return in the second half of this back-to-back, which would be uh, a whole lot to get used to, especially if KD and Kyrie are both sitting it out. Now, if that's the case... Bruce Brown looks like he's now sort of locked back in. And then if if Blake Griffin is sitting, you could probably go Harden, Joe Harris, Bruce Brown, and maybe even Jeff Green, but it's going to depend a lot on whether or not Kyrie is in or out. I think we can safely say Durant is going to sit this one. That's that's a it's not a guarantee, but it's like 80% that he'll be sitting this ball game out. Uh Blake Griffin, I'd call it 50-50. Kyrie, I just don't know. 
we don't really know how truly dinged up he was. They're always going to play it cautious with the Nets because this regular season doesn't mean a whole lot to them. Uh, so we'll know more soon. On the Chicago side, the usual fare. Uh, Thad Young, his minutes have been fine the last couple. He just hasn't been able to hit his shots lately, so I'm not going to panic on anything there. Vooch had a bad one, rare bad one. Levine had a big one. I mean, think about what the Bulls are going through there. Poor, poor Chicago. Uh, Daniel Tice, 10-6-2 with a block, but not that many minutes, so I'm not going to walk down that path. And then Kobe White didn't shoot the ball well either, but he's been better lately. It seems like he built up confidence as a starter when there was no Levine. Remember, he was coming off the bench for a little bit, that he's now sort of held on to that gig even after Zach's come back, and he looks comfortable in it. Indiana beat Philadelphia. There was no Joel Embiid in this ballgame, which meant Dwight Howard, well, came off the bench behind Mike Scott. He figured he would do more, but he did get four and seven with a couple of blocks. Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris, those guys took most of the shots on the team, and I think Philly's going to be resting someone pretty much every game this week. They're, uh, I mean, they're two games up on the net, so that first place spot could fritter away, and I, I think they probably just figured they'll get one, Somewhere along this thing. Meanwhile, the Pacers, with their win and the Charlotte loss, they're now tied for the eighth seed and could move back into the upper half of that play-in tournament. So uh, Indiana, I should say, they really responded well to the rumors of their coach being an epic disaster that completely unsighted... I mean, that article upset me in a lot of ways. That's, that's the kind of article that gives like real journalism deep-diving... A little bit of a bad name. And I don't mean that... I'm not going to pick on... I don't even remember who wrote it. All I know is that I read it and I was like, not one person is named in this article. You can't put out a hit piece with 17 quotes clowning on a guy when no one will attribute themselves to it. That's rough, man. And then TJ Warren came out and he was like, what? You're going to throw my bleep into this? Anyway, seems to have galvanized the team. Maybe that was the plan. Who the hell knows? Demonis Sabonis, triple-double. Karis LeVert, high usage, all that good stuff. Justin Holliday's been coming on a little bit. TJ McConnell, I think, is generally safe to use, although they're running everything through Sabonis right now. And then Batadze, two more blocks in 17 minutes. That's all you can count on from him, but it's something. I don't think I would use Justin Holliday. He freaks me out. He's a little warmer lately, and that's a, that's a good thing. And he went through this prolonged, like, two-month cold spell. So maybe this is him finally kind of coming up out of it. Uh, but I don't, I don't think that I can... Yeah, I can't, I can't recommend that one. Uh, I said I was going to start the Moes in Orlando, but Mo Bamba actually missed this ball game with a cold. So Mo Wagner was the only Mo that you got to use. And then you got to use Wendell Carter Jr. too because there was no real backup center on the roster. Wagner was great. Uh, Wendell Carter Jr. was good enough. Not great, but good enough. And no one else is worth looking at. You got a couple of guys that have points league value, like a Cole Anthony and RJ Hampton, but their percentages generally stink. And so it's the Moes when they're healthy. And then if one of the Moes is out, namely Bamba, then Wendell Carter Jr. moves into a reasonable valuation. But how about Mo Wagner these days? He's really played well for the, for the Magic, who are resting half of their team. <laughs> I am positively floored that Milwaukee played all of their guys. Maybe they're seeing a path to getting the two seed. I really don't know. I mean, the Nets won. 
even though they ended up not having Kyrie for half of that ball game. I, I don't know what the Bucks are doing. I, I have to believe that at some point this week, the starters are going to be rested in some sort of carousel of life. And Bobby Portis, who did well enough, by the way, in this ball game, even with the normal starters in there, Portis is going to have this wide open lane to walk through this week. Like there's going to be one starter out probably in every game, maybe more, and it's just going to be Bobby time. So I would pick up Bobby Portis in advance because I think he's going to have a couple of just massive basketball games coming up in the not too distant future. More massive than this one. And this was actually pretty good in his whatever it was, 20 minutes or so. We continue to zoom along with the Phoenix Suns losing to the Warriors in a high-scoring affair. Neither team bothered to play a ton of defense in this ballgame, and that's good for fantasy purposes because Chris Paul was awesome. Devin Booker was actually pretty good in this particular contest. Jay Crowder hit six three-pointers, so he's now re-grabbed that power forward job, and then DeAndre Ayton had a tough time with the Warriors for whatever reason. Mikel Bridges, a rare off night as well. Uh, the guy that we've been pushing on this podcast, Juan Toscano-Anderson, came back to earth a little bit, although 7-5-6 and six with a block on good shooting is really not that bad. You know, on a, on a massive night, he was fairly middle of the pack. And, and that's okay for a guy coming off the bench who got 31 more minutes as long as Kelly Oubre's out and Eric Paschal. And I'm not too worried about Damian Lee cutting into those minutes. I think they really like what Toscano-Anderson brings. The Warriors are playing good ball right now. And they were able to win this one despite the Suns focusing all of their energies on Steph Curry. Andrew Wiggins had one of his better games of the year, and that's all well and good. And Jordan Poole had a good shooting game. But I think that the thing you trust with Toscano Anderson is that he's out there rebounding, passing, getting defensive stats. And so I'll just stick with that wreck for the rest of the way, I guess. Sacramento blew out the Thunder again. The Thunder are... A truly embarrassing lot at this point. Kenny Hustle finally had a good ball game, but the rest of the team is little more than dust in the wind. I mean, I don't like I don't know what the plan is. Are you really teaching your guys anything by just having them get smoked by double digits every night? They're not competitive. Whatever. Screw it. While the Kings remain shorthanded and winning. Admittedly, the schedule has been kind to Sacramento lately, although they did have a couple of okay wins mixed in there. Sacramento now 31 and 38. I guess at least, at the very least, they'll have better a better taste in their mouth the rest of the way. They need the Spurs to lose out to have any shot at this thing. They've now moved into a tie with the Pelicans for the uh, 11th spot in the Western Conference. But there's no, there's no real hope there. Spurs will get something the rest of the way, and I'm sure the Kings will lose one the rest of the way. Regardless, we continue to wait on any status updates on De'Aaron Fox, but as long as he's out, DeLon Wright is a king among children. 21-4-8, four steals, five threes on eight out of 11 shooting. Line of the night, actually, according to Basketball Monster. That's the number one line on Tuesday night. Terrence Davis has been a really nice scoring option for the Kings while all of these guys are out. Uh, the rookie, Metu, got himself a little playing time in this one. Super low usage. I don't think that you can lean into that too hard. He started over Marvin Bagley, who was out with an injury. Mo Harkless has been decent for the team. Fouled out in 34 minutes this ball game, but also a guy you, you don't really want to put your trust into. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, DeLon Wright, we've 
talked about DeLon Wright a thousand times on this podcast. He just needs the damn playing time. His usage actually wasn't even that high in this ballgame. You can believe that. Just 17. He ranked behind uh, Harkless. <laughs> Doesn't that blow your lid off? Well behind Buddy Heald and Terrence Davis, but also behind Mo Harkless, and he still did that kind of damage. This is what DeLon Wright can be, which is so frustrating why the Kings weren't giving him any wiggle room. And I get it. They had Tyrese Halliburton, who they want to develop, and De'Aaron Fox, who's their their franchise cornerstone. So where was the avenue there? But they had to find one. Ah, well. Lakers got a nice overtime win. You wouldn't know it by the score, 101-99. This one was a... I mean, I, I, I watched the second half in overtime, and I, I legitimately don't remember a point at which either team got the ball into the front court with more than 18 seconds on the shot clock. It was a full walk fest. It was a walk fest. On the Knicks side, nothing of real note. Nerlens Noel had himself an issue with Andre Drummond and Anthony Davis. He, was, he played his half-the-game minutes, basically. Taj got the overtime minutes. Taj Gibson's actually been really useful. I know that 8-7 a steal on really good percentages doesn't seem all that useful, but it's actually kind of decent. Reggie Bullock came back down to earth in this super slow ball game. That doesn't help him, but he played 46 minutes, so there's really no issue there. And then on the Lakers side, uh, LeBron James, who it seemed like was going to come back for this ballgame, decided to wait one more. He's targeting the second half of the back-to-back. That's tonight. Alex Caruso left early with foot soreness, so that sucks. But Taylor Horton Tucker got thrust into a giant role. He was a turnover machine, and then he promptly hit a game-winning three at the end of overtime. So how about that for a weird ball game? Uh, Andre Drummond actually played well in this one. A slow, walk-it-up, grind-it-out game with New York was just what the doctor ordered for Andre. Anthony Davis didn't quite look like himself in this ballgame. He was just kind of slow. Jumpers weren't dropping. He wasn't taking it to the rim like he did in the previous one. And that, and the Knicks will do that to you. They'll throw a lot of bodies your way and, and kind of work on keeping you out of the paint. And it worked. AD was a bit more gun-shy. I like KCP. I mentioned I, th- I thought he'd be good basically until LeBron got back and there was no Braun in this one. And he didn't hit his shots either, but he's doing other stuff. He got a couple of nice slap-down blocks, a strip, some assists. Just nice all-around game from KCP. But I would also, and same story with Kuzma. I wonder if Anthony Davis plays the back-to-back. I know the Lakers really need these wins, and they're desperately trying to work their way out of the uh, play-in spot now with a couple of nice wins in a row. But it's it's a test, you know. Blazers and Mavs are tied, as we talked about already. Lakers are a game back, so they need someone else to screw something up. Or do the Lakers just say, screw it, we'll go to the play-in. Right now it looks like they might play the Warriors. That's no fun. And then if they lose that one, they'd get the Grizzlies or the Spurs. That's a pretty winnable ball game. You figure the Lakers could get one out of those two, but, man, I don't, I don't think anybody wants to be in the play-in because just anything can happen there. So we'll see. Don't know if AD's going to play in the second half of the back-to-back tonight. Uh, we'll see if Braun gets in there. If those guys are both playing, I would pretty much bench every other Laker. It's not worth it. It's not worth the roll of the dice. I don't know. I mean, you could get nuts. You could get weird with it, but I wouldn't, considering how many options there are right now. Folks, make sure to check out our buddies over at manscaped.com with uh, coupon code HOOPBALL20. 
You can get 20% off and free shipping on your order of the brand new Lawnmower 4.0 with an upgraded sleek design. The light now with an on-off capability, so you don't have to run it all of the time when you're trimming. You turn that sucker off. The uh, on-off switch also has a lock mode for when you're traveling, so you don't thing doesn't get bumped on on a plane, and then you have no batteries in your trimmer when you get to your business destination, whatever that may be. So they just keep adding features. The one thing they keep the same, pinch-free technology. That's the good stuff. I don't know how they did it. I really don't wish I could claim I had understanding of the intricacies of a sideburn trimmer, but I don't. It doesn't pinch. It never pinches. They just... They took something that people didn't think you could upgrade, and then they made it better. So go to manscaped.com. They've also got an ear and nose hair trimmer. They've got a luxury nail kit, boxers, T-shirts, lotions, deodorants, all that good stuff. Manscaped.com. Coupon code HOOPBALL20. I want to pause here before we do our look ahead just to remind everybody to once again... Look at your Roto standings and look at people three slots above and three slots below. Because of all the injuries this year, there are going to be teams that maxed out and there are going to be teams that don't get to the game's cap. So you have to start looking at who's on the other teams. Are other clubs sitting on injured guys right now in Roto? That's a little dumb. (laughs) Don't do it. Unless you're in a keeper league. Otherwise, there's no point. We're so close to the end of the season. What good's it going to do you? You got to make sure that you get to your games cap. And here's the other thing. Be willing to bench really good players that are getting you stats you don't need. I dropped Colin Sexton in a league I'm in because I have no need for scoring or assists. I don't want his turnovers. I don't need it. I'm better off with, like, Goga Batadze in that spot for field goal percent and a couple of blocks. I'm going to go out there and hit two of three shots and block two shots. That's actually more useful for my fantasy. But that's like a top 200 kind of line. And that's actually better than if Sexton went out uh, and went 10 for 25 and uh, 8 for 10 at the free throw line or something like that and got me, like, 30 points and six assists and a steal. <laughs> Don't care. That would actually hurt me because he'd probably have four turnovers and Goga would probably have zero. So look at your league. That's just an example of one that I'm working on right now. Hopefully folks in that league aren't listening to this moment to the podcast and thinking, oh, now I get what Dan's doing. But look at your own leagues. Understand there might be guys that you should just take out of your lineup. Even if they've been bulwarks of your lineup for the first 95% of the year, 96, whatever we're at right now. You might bench a second rounder for a guy in the top 125 just because of what stats they're providing. So do the work right now. You just don't know what it might, like moving one guy in or out of your lineup could be the difference in hundreds of dollars depending on what kind of league you're in. Don't leave it up to chance. Don't just throw all your guys in the lineup and think, screw it, we've come this far, these are the guys. No, dive into it. Out game. And when I say out game, I don't mean play more games then. I guess that is sort of what I mean when we're talking head-to-head. But in Roto, when I say out game the competition, just play smarter. And here's another thing you guys should check out. Sometimes, 
and this I'm speaking of Yahoo here, when you set your lineup on the phone, it's not very clear where your games cap stuff is. It's very clear on a computer. Everything shows up real neat and tidy when you look at your team page on a on a traditional monitor. Oh, you scroll down. Okay, there it is. I got, you know, X number of games left at each position. When you do it on your phone, it's really not that easy to find. So I was going through one of my Roto Leagues and thinking, all right, well, who's this guy that's chasing me down? Or who's this guy I'm trying to chase down? And I went over to that GM's, that manager's team, and I realized that that team had actually used up their entire games cap at like six of the positions, and two or three were way under. So whatever the Yahoo auto set was doing, it was plugging everybody into shooting guard and point guard over and over again, but it was never throwing anyone into the utility slot. So this dude ran out of point guard and shooting guard games six days ago and has no prayer of using up all their games in utility. So even though it looks like they're on pace to go way over, they're actually probably going to finish like 10 to 12 games short of the games cap because the best they can do right now is get four or five active slots on their team these last few days because now the other ones have run out. So look at some of the other teams in your league. Look at all of them for all I care. Like you're probably chasing random teams in different categories. See if those teams are even starting their guys anymore. There might be someone within reach of you that you didn't think. You're down like 80 or 90 rebounds with, what are we at now, five five days to go? You're thinking, nah, no way. How am I going to catch 80 or 90 rebounds? Well, it's pretty different if that other team is only playing two guys a night. They're putting up 10 to 14 rebounds every night. Five days, whatever that is, 50 rebounds. Okay, great. You can get 140 rebounds in five days. That's doable. 25, 30 rebounds a night. Sounds a little easier than if they were starting a full lineup and you're trying to gain on them. So there's a lot going on in Roto right now that requires you to actually put the time in and go through and look at every team that's above and below you in each category. Scout them out. Figure out what they've been doing, and you probably know what they're going to be doing. Most teams don't pivot their strategy too hard on a night-to-night basis this time of the year. No one ever looks at the other team's actual team page. Everybody just looks at the standings page, but there's more to it than that. Why did I take that pause to talk about strategy? Because who cares about the look-ahead right now? It's kind of dumb. Washington, we already know that Beal is out, so Bertans probably a go. Neto, if you need maybe a steal and some free throws. Atlanta, DeAndre Hunter slowly getting worked back in, so take Gallo out of your streaming pocket. Spurs, nothing. Nets, if Kyrie's not... We already talked about this. If Harden gets in there and Kyrie's not and KD's not and we don't know about Blake Griffin, then you're going to have this real mishmash. Joe Harris is probably going to take a whole bunch of shots. You're going to maybe see a guy like a Luau Cabarro emerge from the (laughs) darkness. These guys that haven't done anything in weeks. Your safest plays, well, Mike James has actually been doing a fair amount. I I guess it really does come down to whether or not James Harden is in there. Because if Harden's in, then you're looking at Harris... You're looking at Bruce Brown. You're looking at Jeff Green. These guys all probably move above the cut line for one game. If Harden sits it out, it's a total cluster mess. But Mike James probably ends up getting all he can handle 
And we've seen that can be a bit of an adventure to this point, but probably startable. Okay, so I lied. I mean, there was something interesting on the look ahead. Brooklyn. Boston, we know what they are at this point. Cleveland, uh, we'll find out about Jetty Osman and Darius Garland here in the not-too-distant future. My guess is they're both out. And if they are, then we kind of saw what the Cavs were in their last one. Dean Wade. Kevin Love is the other wild card there. Apologies, almost left him out of the mix. Uh, Isaac Okoro, does his value now skyrocket a little bit? Can Wade get in there? If Love plays, I don't think I would do it. Pelicans. I'm assuming everybody's still out that was before. You probably get a decent game out of Nikhil Alexander-Walker here. Willie Hernan Gomez, Jackson Hayes, both have been useful lately. Lonzo, James Johnson, all of those guys are good to go. Dallas, uh, they'll be on a bounce back here. They're not happy about the way that game in Memphis went last night. Uh, provided Doncic doesn't get suspended, which it seems like he's not, then our pre-grab of Jalen Brunson looks like a waste of time. And then Dwight Powell, who got punted in the last one, but also, as we already talked about, fighting it out with Maxi Kleba now as well. Not worth it. Portland, nothing. Utah, nothing. Houston, Monitor the injury report, but they get all these amazing fill-in guys. Could the Lakers beat them anyway? If the Lakers rested AD and played LeBron, I think they, they feel like they should and could. This is what you'd call a gimme at this point because the Rockets are trying to lose ball games. But look, KJ Martin is a go. Jayshon Tate's a go. Kelly Olynyk's a go. Waiting on Christian Wood news. I'm assuming he's out, but anything can happen there, I suppose. If he's out, you probably go Karai Thomas again. And if you need three balls, you go Armani Brooks. That's probably the, the safe distance to travel. With the Lakers, as I said already, if AD and Braun are in this game, you sit everybody else. If AD sits, you could probably go Kuz, maybe Drummond in the front court. And if Braun sits and AD plays, it'll be just like today. Or excuse me, uh, I should say last night. I'm recording this in the middle of the night and... I get confused. I'm an old man. I should be taking my uh, squid formula or whatever. <laughs> What's that commercial? <laughs> Prevagen. It's like a squid brain, and you just chomp it down. I'm pretty sure that's how it works. All right, guys. We're trying to keep them to 35 minutes or less right now. Keep you guys zooming along here this last week. Stick with us, man. We got a lot left to go. Rate and review the pod. Five stars. Follow me on Twitter, at Dan Vespers. And go get something sweet from our buddies over at manscaped.com. And tail brewski in gambling. Good lord, man. Dude is lava hot these days. Go win some money. I can't wait to dive in come playoff time. I've, I've sort of... I don't like betting the last week and a half, two weeks of the NBA season because it's real screwy. Late scratches, 15-point spreads, things of that nature. But give me the playoffs. We just destroyed the bubble playoffs last year. That was the easiest handicapping I think I've ever done in my life. Teams playing on a neutral site over and over again, forever, seemingly. You love it. You eliminated all the variables. So all you could look at was team adjustments. That was the only thing you needed to handicap. Sit out the first game of a series, look at adjustments, and then just cash tickets every night. Anyway, we'll get to that. Playoffs coming up soon. I am Dan Vaspers. This is Fantasy NBA Today. Wednesday show. Two more before the regular season's over. But as I keep saying, don't worry, we're not going anywhere. All right, folks, we'll talk to you tomorrow. So long.
This has been a Hoop Ball presentation.